Hi, Joy. I'm very, very happy to have you here. I'm very excited. And I can already tell the LA sun is like blowing <laughs> on you. And it's so nice to see you. Very happy to have you. And we have a wonderful conversation going to happen. And I just want to jump right in. And the first thing that I want to ask you is, what is one life experience that shaped who you are today? Because we know what you stand for. We know that you're very into, you know, leading with joy, which is your whole um, consultancy. And I, I'm interested in knowing what is that one life experience that shaped who you are today? When yeah. did you start, you know, caring about putting people first? When did I start caring about putting people first? I mean, I think that leads back to my experience with children. Okay. And yeah, and I think um, I did a lot of work when I was younger with kids, uh, directed some theater programs, and I was a Girl Scout camp counselor. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, there's something about um, having that level of responsibility for kids that um, really sort of instills that others come before you. And I think that was a huge part of it. And not to mention when I was at my Girl Scout job, um, midway through, they said, well, would you like to be promoted? We think, you, you know, we see leadership abilities in you. Would you like to be promoted to a lead camp counselor, which meant a whole more $2 a day because they were paying me. <laughs> that was $34 a day plus room and board, which meant sleeping on a tarp in the forest was my room. Um, but yeah, it was such a great experience. And I took that promotion and that was the first time I was responsible for adults in addition to kids. Um, and I sort of found my footing there, but I remember thinking, I need to know what they think. I need to know what they want to do. I need to get their opinions. And I think just drawing upon past leaders that I had that I admired, um, was really probably that first moment where I started putting people first. I actually really like that answer simply because, um, I, I don't think you know this, but my first job coming into America, I'm from Haiti. And I moved to the U.S. in 2021. And my first job was at a startup that was helping kids with like motor and speech um, development. And I, I've been working here for like for over a year. And it's been, you know, it's been you are put into a place where like those people can't take care of themselves. You have to care for them, take care of them and like make sure they're, you know, safe, alive and happy. So that's very interesting to me that, you know. <laughs> I, yeah. I didn't even I didn't even realize that you know that's a whole practice of p putting people first. So mm -hmm. that's very interesting. And you know I don't know how you do it, but I can't sleep in the forest. Like I go to summer camp, and it's essentially like I sleep in an RV when I do that. I I could I couldn't be a girl sick out. So props to you. <laughs> was it fun? Did you enjoy it? Or oh my gosh, it was amazing. And I I think that um I think I just breathed. I mean, I'm coming from Los Angeles, right? And, and San Diego, where I grew up into, you know, Redwood Forest of Northern California. And I, um, there was so much oxygen because I'm sleeping outside and just bundled mm -hmm. in a little sleeping bag around my head and um, <laughs> on a tarp. And it was, it was lovely. I don't, I've never gotten such great sleep. That was either because I was utterly exhausted from taking care of these girls all day um, or it was from all of the wonderful fresh air I was breathing. But either way, it was uh, an experience <laughs> I will sleep. never forget. Yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> that's great. That's great to hear. Um, you've mentioned um so, since this uh, young age to having to work with adults, and you know, working with kids and both adults. That's two different you know methods that you have to apply. How was your experience with like dealing with both sides? Because I've worked with young people as well, and I've also had the opportunity to work with um, older people. And it's been very interesting to see how, you know, you have to switch your whole methods when you're working with both sides and when it's combined as well. That's a whole mm -hmm. different method as well. So how did you navigate that? How, how was that for you? Yeah. You know what I found is that adults want to have fun, too. You know, and I think that um, learning that idea of play with children and then still bringing that to adults. So I ran summer technology education programs. I was the chief operating officer for ID Tech um, for 22 years. I was there um, from startup to you know acquisition. And um, we were all in the business of children and therefore, we were all wanting to play, too. So it's Ooh. a really it's a kind I, and I think this is you, too, Nova. If you came up through, you know, um, managing kids, right, you understand that um, we all want to have jobs that are fun. Mm -hmm. And I am all about bringing some levity to work. So too many times we believe like there's a myth, right? That in order to be taken seriously, you need to be very serious, right? And um, it's an absolute uh, myth. And I actually think it's the wrong way to go because studies have showed that uh, laughter is the fastest way to increase trust. Ooh, okay. Yeah. And in fact, um, when you are funny and you bring a sense of humor to it, not only is, does that increase trust, but it increases your status in Ooh. the eyes of other people. And I think that's because, you know, it's like, oh, well, I can, this person is, is being real with me. They're being authentic um, and they're making me laugh, which is a gift. Um, and so there is that dynamic there that I think is is so wonderful. So I definitely believe in bringing some levity, lightness, your sense of humor, your authenticity into the world of business so that you can increase trust and have a better rapport, reciprocal, um, reciprocal trust and communication, build that human capital with each other and um, communicate better. Because mm -hmm. a lot of, you know, business comes down to good communication, too. And I think I, I genuinely love this because I think that's one of the reasons why I was so, um, I guess, attracted to uh, having you on this podcast and also meeting you um, simply because I feel like we have a lot of similar values. As you know, I'm all about humanity, bringing humanity in business, because like you said, business seems so serious, like so you have to put a suit on all the time. When in reality, we're still human at the end. So I truly, truly love that this is an aspect that you bring to your business, that you bring to the companies that you work with, which brings me to, you said you've been to um, EdTech, is that it? For mm -hmm. 22 years. Mm -hmm. 22 years. That's that's oh, that's a lot. One company, 22 years. Yeah, that's it's virtually unheard of these days. Yeah. It is. Honestly, yeah. I don't I don't know how you did it, but like what made you stake so long? 
Uh, what made you stay so long? You're hmm. going to love my answer because okay. I say it to anybody who asks, it was the people. Oh, okay. Hands down, the people that kept me there. And one of the things that I love so much was forming those relationships, right? Moving together, aligned toward a common goal, a great purpose. And then also in my role, I was able to really um, help people move up within the organization. And so when I look, when I left the company last year, I said, well, what do I want to do with the rest of my life? And mm -hmm. I want to practice in my zone of genius, right? Where, mm -hmm. um, and not to toot my own horn, but what I love to do and was extremely successful at besides operating the programs that we ran was growing leaders from within the company. And so mm -hmm, mm -hmm. that's why I'm on a mission to teach people some of those keys because we had an award-winning culture. People loved to work there and they stayed for, you know, 15 years. Like they were there a long time along with me. And then we would bring on new folks and those, those folks would stay. Um, and so everybody just, it was really a place where once you came into the organization, very few people left. Wow. Wow. And that's unheard of. That's, that's not something that you hear often. And I know you mentioned award-winning culture, but did the culture look like? What was mm. happening? What are the things that uh, that you've implemented or the other staff members implemented to make the culture award worthy? Oh, my gosh. Well, um, culture is really made up of um, our patterns of behavior. So mm -hmm. how humans behave is really what leads to culture. And so I would say it was a culture of trust. We had a lot of psychological safety where meaning somebody could speak up and have their idea heard, have their voice heard, and that would be taken into consideration. There was no, and if you disagreed, here's the key. If you disagreed with the direction of something, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I think I led the charge on this one because I disagreed quite a bit and spoke up quite a bit, but to not fear any sort of retribution in that process of saying, actually, I'm not sure that's the best idea and here's why. Right. And to be heard with that and to be okay. And it doesn't mean that my idea or somebody else's idea was always acted upon, but you had the freedom and the um, ability to speak up and be um, seen, heard and valued. Um, and so that's a lot of what I teach is that at our core, we all want to be seen, heard and valued. Um, so I'm actually obsessed with um, how to make sure that happens in cultures. Um, and then also how to motivate people to be engaged, because that is one of our biggest problems right now in corporate America is that people are disengaged mm. there. Um, you know, there's so many studies saying people are less productive now. And what's happening is that's being blamed on remote work. But mm -hmm, mm -hmm. that entire 22 years, I managed my teams remotely. I did not know that yeah. for 22 years and you yeah. were, the team was still engaged. There was an award winning culture and people yeah. rarely left yeah. and it was remote. So my team was remote. My operations team wow. was mm -hmm, remote. Mm -hmm. We were, um, the logistics team had a warehouse. The compliance team was in the main office. The customer service team was in the main office. Then, you know, everybody went remote once the pandemic hit, but, but before mm -hmm. then we were all sort of spread out. And so, um, actually, my operations team, who all worked across the country, 
mm-hmm. continually are um, HR surveys, we call them be heard surveys, scored really high, if not the highest in the company. So, mm-hmm. so I, I don't believe that in order to create a culture, you need to be a good culture. You need to be in person all the time. Do I think it's very beneficial if it's intentional? Absolutely. Right. You can have great um, trainings. You could have great brainstorming sessions and solve big problems together in person, unlike you can over Zoom. But on a day to day, I mean, I'm sitting here in my slippers. It's lovely, <laughs> you know, and you don't have to see that, but it's such a freedom, right? And we all want, uh, we all want autonomy. That's the other thing that motivates humans is having autonomy, which is freedom of choice. Mm-hmm. And it's the four T's. These are Dan Pink's four T's, right? Which is we want choice over task, time, mm-hmm. technique, and team. Mm. Right. Those are when we have at least some of that, we feel good about the work we're doing. And so there was a lot of autonomy and a lot of ownership um, in our corporate culture. So if you had an idea, Nova, I'd be like, I love that idea. Why don't you spearhead it? Why don't you pick a team of people to help you who are also interested in making sure that happens? And why don't you come up with a timeline that you think is reasonable and you get to choose the tasks and the techniques that will take you there. However, I'm not just dumping this on you. I'm going to be Mm -hmm. a partner for you and I'm going to help you along the way. I feel like you're you're selling me to come work for you right now. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But one thing that I've noticed as you were speaking is that it's really important for leaders to understand humans. Right. You can't work with people without understanding them. Right. As you were explaining that people want freedom, people want um, cho- choice, the freedom to have choice, the freedom to, you know, to to work wherever they want or whatever it is that people want. And it's important to take time or to spend time to understand not only human as a whole, but each individual people that you're working with. Absolutely. Right. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And you're, you nailed it. It really comes down to um, not only understanding people as a whole and, and why we do the things that we do, but then you nailed it with the individual. Because mm-hmm. every single person you are given as a manager, as a leader is a gift. Mm-hmm. They're not a burden to you. It's not like, oh, I have seven direct reports. It's no, mm-hmm. I have seven direct reports. This is amazing. They all are going to like, you know, we're going to work in tandem. It's going to be fun. It's going to be exciting. And I have them to call upon and they have me to call upon. You know, they are a gift to you and the company. And so playing to their individual strengths is also a hallmark of partner leadership. Mm-hmm. I like that. And um, one thing that I also noticed is as you were speaking, you mentioned that you call your HR surveys be heard. And mm-hmm. I think one of the one of the things that I've been learning a lot this year is language. You know, the language we use has a huge impact in the outcome we want, right? As I was directing the mentorship program as one of, at one of the um, organizations I've been working with, we were calling mentors and mentees. We were calling mentors, mentors, mentees, mentees. But the whole point of the mentorship program was a co-mentorship. Right. It was supposed to be mentees mm. help mentors and mentors help mentees. Right. And one of the mentors mentioned, we can't keep calling mentors, mentors and mentees, mentees. 
we're not going to have a partnership because we're already putting a power dynamic, right? We're already from the get go, there's a power dynamic. So like, we can't keep calling each other this. So if you're, if the outcome is for both people to collaborate and help each other, why not call them partners? And I think it's the same thing with like the be heard um, survey. You want people to be heard, right? So like you already, you already set up the, the tone for this outcome to be, to, to be what you want, right? Absolutely. Oh, words absolutely matter. You're absolutely mm-hmm. right. So yeah, I'm so curious um, how you got so wise, so young, <laughs> Nova. I mean, you're 19 years old. So where did all this wisdom come from? Where do I give the credit? I would say it's, um, um, I would say it's the people that I've been around, right? It's, it's the people that I've had the privilege of learning from. I'm a huge, huge advocate for learning. I don't stay at a job where I can't learn. Mm. And that's like very, very fundamental for me. And the people, the, the friends that I, the people that I love just generally want to learn. All the yeah. people that I hang out with, all the people that I, that I work for, I just always put myself in an environment where I can learn. And, um, and also being an immigrant, right? I come from a different culture, a different culture. And from a young age, I've always been able to pinpoint what, what doesn't work and why it doesn't work. Um, I guess it's culture plus the people that I surround myself with. I wouldn't say I'm the wisest or anything of that sort. I'm still (laughs) in the learning process, but um, I generally love having conversations. And I'm glad that you, you, you brought a space for me to talk about the people that I, that I love and that I surround myself with, which brings me to my next question, which is something that I'm trying to create within um, the podcast and the community that I'm creating with this podcast is to create this gratitude chain, right? I believe that we all have people that we're immensely grateful for. If you could shout out to one person, mm. one person, not saying that the others didn't help or anything of that sort, but, <laughs> but just one person that if you could shout out to them, because let's say they, they've pushed you to higher heights or if they've helped you in some way. Like if you had someone to shout out to, who would it be and why? Oh my goodness. Um, <laughs> yeah. So I worked with so many people that yes, it um, <laughs> seems like if I shout out one person, they'd be like, why didn't I get a shout out? Um, <laughs> you know, okay. Well, I'm going to answer this in a very political way. Um, <laughs> there's a collective, right? Okay. And there's a collective influence and um I was given the gift of autonomy and ownership from day one, from get go. Mm-hmm. And I was able to hire, you know, the people that I wanted to hire and build teams and build cultures and environments. And it was such a gift. But within that, those different people, everyone I brought in taught me something. Mm-hmm. I was actually listening to, um, Stacey Abrams at um, an event, and she said, make space even for the people who scare you or Mm. for the people that scare you the most, something along those lines. But we have to make space for them because even those people throughout my career trajectory who maybe I didn't agree with or was upset that they were brought into the organization and they caused maybe some negative impacts those people taught me something mm-hmm. and I learned from them too. Um, and just being a person that has had to go through all those experiences, 
that is learning. But I, again, everyone that I have come into contact with throughout life has given me a gift of learning something about myself, about them, about pushing myself a little bit harder, about the way they do it and the way that I could think about doing it, about other possibilities, other ideas, um, you know, and I think the journey was was great. It was, you know, a long way from day one to 22 years when I left, <laughs> right? I was a different person, um, but they're mm -hmm. all beautiful stages. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I love that. I love that. And also very political way. <laughs> but that was really good. I love that. Um, the podcast is called People and Profit. So we cannot mm -hmm. not talk about profit. Yes. Um, we're both believers in putting and prioritizing people, right? Mm -hmm. But um, how costly can it be, right? It's a whole, it's a big process. It's a big thing. We want to prioritize people, but it's not, you know, it's not free, right? Mm -hmm. Can we talk a little bit about um, the process of prioritizing people? How does that look like? And then how costly it, is that process? All right. Well, I'm going to give you a quote from one of my friends, one of uh, some of those people that were influential. His name is Rob Little, and I worked with him for years. And he said, people are investments, mm. not expenses. That's how we should be seeing people in corporate America. And when he said that, I was like, oh, yes, mm -hmm. hello. That's exactly how we need to be viewing people in an organization. They are investments for you. And I would say some of the costs and some of the things that you should be investing in as a company is training, you know, mm -hmm. professional development outside mm -hmm. of you and your team bring in a third party, but make sure you vet that third party first, right? With mm -hmm. some testimonials, call people up who've, you know, taken the course or been with this consultant, whoever this person is, investing in time, mm -hmm. saying, I want to help you grow and develop. So I'm going to give you ownership and opportunities. Yes, it might take me longer. And that's the pull to not delegate, right? Oh, it's faster if I do it, mm -hmm. right? But no, mm -hmm. I want to give this opportunity away so that um, somebody else can upskill and learn and grow their portfolio and, mm -hmm. um, you know, their skill set. And then someday maybe get a promotion or mm -hmm. when they do leave the company, they can go get a, a you know, a new title, a bigger title somewhere else. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, so it's really in time. It's a big investment in time. And I will say all of the statistics that I know and have read is it's so much cheaper to actually invest in your people than mm -hmm. it is to not. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm glad that you mentioned that because I was doing research too. And it's it, it costs like 30% of an employee's salary to replace them. And I think that's people don't notice how or people choose to ignore how expensive it is to lose an employee and replace them than to just invest in them. So mm -hmm. it's profitable to prioritize people over profit. So, uh, a lot of companies want their employees to excel, right? To meet some types of quota or whatever it is that um, some type of goal, they want their employees to excel, but a lot of time they don't invest in the resources to help those employees excel. And I think, mm -hmm. and um, one example I have of that, and I'm not saying that this company, that was their main 
problem. But um, there's big banks, right? Um, I'm going to try not to mention any names, right? They wanted their employees to like be like th- those huge sales sales people and do a lot of different things. But then because there was so much pressure and less or limited resources, they started doing things out of, you know, that are not really ethical because there's no resources and pressure is just like high, too high. And I guess you can't want mastery without giving resources to get that mastery. So I I, I think that's that's another investment to be made, right? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I think with the situation I think you're talking about with a big bank is that um, there were unintended consequences, you know, Mm -hmm. so they dangled a lot of carrots about like, if you make this goal, this number, then you get this money, Mm -hmm, right? mm -hmm. And the unintended consequence of that was unsavory behaviors Mm -hmm, in order mm -hmm. to get that carrot. Um, and so there's better ways to incentivize people than rewards and bonuses and monetary things. If you pay people from the get-go what mm-hmm. they need to the point where they're not thinking about money, money's not an issue, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. that's when you can really sort of like, that's like the baseline to begin to unlock discretionary mm-hmm. effort in people. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think there were probably some unintended consequences with some sort of setup there. Mm-hmm. Of course, of course. And I think that's also another um, consequence of not prioritizing people truly is that a lot of baggage comes with it. Not only like the the turnover rates or um, the bad reputation, especially as we're, as we're you know, growing or moving forward to like uh, uh, the future of work, right? People are more concerned about the company's reputation, right? before going to work in that company. Like that's something I, if I'm applying to a job, it's, and it's a lot of different criteria, right? If, if you're promoting a product that doesn't either align with my values or you're working in something that, you know, it's, there's just so much more that people care about before mm-hmm. applying to a, to a company. So like you have to have that culture, that reputation of, you know, okay, if I work there, I'm, I'm going to have that um, safety that you mentioned before, right? And I guess a lot of um, big companies do not think that far ahead, I would say, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think you're absolutely right. And um, I, you know what I love? I love about your generation is that you are not afraid to put out into the universe, into intention, mm-hmm. what you mm-hmm. want what you want out of life, the boundaries that you will draw, the yeses you will take and the no's that you will, and those that you will say, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I think that, um, I think that more and more, more people, especially women my age, are following in the footsteps of Gen Z mm-hmm, in mm-hmm. that, um, you know, we're kind of waking up post COVID saying, mm-hmm. I want a life that fits that fits what I want. Like, I don't mm-hmm. want to just work all the time. I want to derive meaning from both my personal life and work, right? Mm-hmm. I want mm-hmm. I want work to mean something to me. Um, and so I think that's what you're getting at there. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. One of the best ways to make sure that people are feeling purpose, a sense of purpose. I mean, I, I 
I don't think that we all need to be solving climate change and curing cancer in companies in order to mm -hmm. have a sense of purpose. Mm -hmm. But people can feel that sense of purpose when they are appreciated and recognized for their contributions. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Someone says, what you just did was really impactful and it helped in this way. Mm -hmm, that mm -hmm. is helping them see their purpose inside the company and therefore their, you know, connectedness. Um, mm -hmm. So it definitely is a good, it's a, it's a piece of purpose. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, can you name one company that you think nails prioritizing people over profit? Can you think of one company or one thing that a company does that you mm -hmm. think is into the right direction. So I love what Thrive stands for, Thrive Global, which is Ariana Huffington's company. Mm -hmm. I love the mission that they're on is to help people feel less stressed at work and to prioritize their health and wellness. Um, and I would I'm going to make this leap. I've not done any research. I've not looked on Glassdoor, <laughs> but I, I would take a wild guess that if that's something they're promoting, if that's something they teach other companies how to do, then they're mm -hmm. pretty good at doing it themselves. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I would agree. I would agree. Um, speaking of other companies, we cannot not talk about your company. And I know this, <laughs> and I know this is something that you do. And can you tell us more about it? What is it that um, I'm leading with joy, which I think is very, very clever. I'm a sucker for creativity and cleverness. So I really like that. Can you tell us about it? Sure, sure. So um, I am a corporate trainer, a leadership coach, and a business consultant. So I take all of my experience that I have, and I'm trying to gift it to other people in a way as an educator. Um, mm -hmm. And um, I have something that's kind of my personal philosophy. It's called partner leadership. Um, and I believe when we were talking before, you said, how is that different from servant leadership? And mm -hmm. I think it's a, it's a yes and right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. It's a, yes, it is part servant leadership, but it sort of takes it a step further into giving people practical tools and the how. Mm. How can you benefit and put your people first? Mm -hmm. um, I know you're a big fan of servant leadership too. I think the word servant though, mm -hmm. for me, it sort of puts people in, uh, at least the way I take it is that mm -hmm. there's a little bit of martyrdom at play. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, it says mm -hmm. that as a leader, you need to sacrifice everything, just the word, right? When we mm -hmm. talked about words matter, you need to sacrifice mm -hmm. everything for your people to serve them and not serve yourself, right? Mm. Where partner leadership comes in and says, no, we're in this together. It's collaborative. And by me helping you grow as a leader in the company, there are, it's dominoes of benefits, mm -hmm, mm -hmm, right? Mm -hmm. It spreads across the entire organization. We're going to be 21% more profitable. You know that statistic, right? Mm -hmm, With Gallup, mm -hmm. just by engaging mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. our employees. Um, but also, I as the leader am going to get a lot of fulfillment mm -hmm, out mm -hmm. of growing more leaders. So mm -hmm. it's not sacrificial. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Because as leaders, we're also, we're also humans. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. We also want, you know, we want to feel fulfilled at work too. 
And so by growing leaders, it's a great way to feel fulfilled at work. And so I teach executives the best way to grow leaders from within and the best way to deliver feedback and um, really make sure that people feel seen, heard, and valued. Mm -hmm. I genuinely, genuinely love this. And I think I'm going to try using partner leadership instead of servant leadership because I think that's, that's, I didn't even think about it that way. And I was listening to to an episode this morning uh, of a podcast, which I totally forgot, but it was saying how, yes, you have to serve um, um, your team, but not at the detriment or at the cost of yourself. And that's one thing that um, one of my um, partners or my best friends have been teaching me is that you have to have yourself secured and, you know, you have to have yourself, you know, put together and all of that and your team, not just your team, but you and your team, right? Because leaders are often, we often want leaders or like the way that media or like on LinkedIn or like the way that we teach people is that leaders is like, okay, we're the savior, we're this, you know, yes. it's, it's <laughs> so- hero riding in on our horse, here we go. <laughs> that's how they teach it to us, right? But it's not true. You no. still have, you know, there's no, it's not a, a spectrum. There's no like this end is like, it's either you serve everybody or this end is like it's your end for yourself. That's, you yeah. know, that's not how it is. There's a, there can't, a, there a balance exists, right? Right. Where you serve both yourself and your team because at the end of the day, you're also human, right? That's absolutely it. And I believe mm-hmm. that we can all make space for one another. We can all find joy collectively together in so many ways. Um, and, um, so I'm all about my definition of joy is, mm-hmm. is really about fulfillment. And, mm-hmm. um, there's a quote from Rolla May. He wrote, um, man's search for himself, which is like a book from the fifties, but it's still highly regarded, mm-hmm. uh, by social scientists, etc. Um, and it says, um, man has one and only one, uh, central need in life. Mm -hmm. to fulfill its own potentialities. Mm. And so, yes, it's sad, a little old, old timey, right? But it means like Mm -hmm. we're all supposed to want, we all want to, we're driven Mm -hmm. by trying to fulfill our potential. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And that's Mm -hmm. what drives us forward. And so I fully believe that. And with fulfillment comes joy. It's like a direct line to joy, experiencing joy. Mm Once you're fulfilled, I have a friend of mine and she's like, it's kind of like the feeling of love. Once it's you true. It's kind of close to that feeling. And so I agree with her. I just thought about it and I was like, wait, you're onto something. <laughs> I think I agree. I agree. And um, I have, a, I think this question might be a little tricky in the sense of like, it requires, um, I would say, imagination in a sense. Um, imagine you're like the CEO of like Amazon, Apple, big, big corporations, right? What is the first step you're taking Mm. today to make sure that your people are okay, but your profit also, you remain profitable. What is the first step you're taking? So I'm pulling the executive team together and we're getting Mm -hmm. aligned. We're getting aligned with our leadership philosophy, we're getting aligned with our organizational health, our core values, our mission statement, and how we bring those to life with a strategic 
um, plan, right? So mm -hmm. we're getting together, we're cascading that through the organization, but we're also taking the feedback that comes up the organization, right? We're allowing time for, this is what the executive team is kind of um, pontificating for a big word mm -hmm. right there, right? We're, we're thinking about this right now. So what mm -hmm. do you think, right? And we wanna get your feedback because you probably know best, right? Mm -hmm. And bringing all that feedback back up to the executive team so that they can incorporate it. And again, then sort of revise and, and mm -hmm. make sure everybody is aligned and on board. But the, mm -hmm. the leadership philosophy is really key um, because, so I, um, when I was at ID Tech, mm -hmm. Howard Behar, who is the former president of Starbucks that took them international, there were two Howards, he was the international president of Starbucks. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. He was on our board of directors. And the best advice he ever gave me was make sure everyone in your organization is speaking the same language, mm. right? Mm. So you mm -hmm. start with that executive team and then you start, then you go to your VPs and your directors, right? And you, you get that same leadership philosophy, that same alignment, right? And then you go to the next level and the next level and you make sure the entire organization understands a hundred percent how we behave. Because those behaviors are what set up the patterns and those patterns of behavior make up the culture. Mm, that is so powerful. I'm like, I feel like <laughs> the whole point of the podcast is to educate others as well. And I feel like I'm getting the most education. I'm sitting <laughs> and I'm like, I wish I could write notes. <laughs> so I really, really, really enjoy this. Um, making money is like, I would say, the whole goal of a for-profit sure. company, right? Making okay. money. That's how do we do that, right? How do we do that in the sense of we have to put a lot of money and we have to invest, right? We have to invest in people. We have to invest in resources. We also have to take care of like our product or service or offerings. Mm -hmm. How do we, how can we balance? Because as I was doing research for the podcast, I was like, why am I not calling it people people first or profit second or why am I not calling it um people over profit and mm -hmm. why is my focus people and profit right because yes. I believe that the balance exists not can but exist right Absolutely. how do we even do that because um a lot of executives are a lot of uh business leaders let's say entrepreneurs the main goal is make money make money make money now make money how can we make mm -hmm. money what to do to make money but then now a lot of people are coming at us and like, you know, all right, but your people, you know, then it's like a whole different, you have a, too much to think about now, but like, how do yeah. we even do that? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, I love how you say people first because people mm -hmm. are foundational, right? Mm -hmm. They're your biggest asset mm -hmm. in mm -hmm. your company. You have all these activities in your strategic plan. They're fantastic. Look at all those wonderful ideas, the new thing you're going to launch, the new city you're going to go to, the new product that's going to be added. Um, you know, all of those goals are fantastic. But if your people are not fully engaged, this is why Gallup has that study that is saying that mm -hmm. if you engage your people and do nothing else but that, your profits mm -hmm. increased 21% because mm -hmm. all of those activities that you have planned in your strategic plan, they're going to go off so much better 
with people who want to work hard for you, with mm -hmm. people who want to stay there and be loyal to you and and not be job hunting on the side, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. They're giving you all their time and all their hours that they do during the workday um, because you're taking care of them, because you're invested in them, because you um, believe in them, because you make work a fun place to be you bring that sense of humor and that lightness and levity right and mm -hmm. um because you are open to hearing them and you're constantly reinforcing that you see them mm -hmm. you hear them and you value them for their contribution mm -hmm. that's when people work hard to do all of those tasks and activities that you have outlined in your strategic plan without that a lot of those are going to fall short. A lot of those activities are going to fail. And you'll say, oh, why? And you'll play this person's fault or it was just a bad idea, right? Mm -hmm, when mm -hmm. the truth is anything is possible with innovative people, right? Anything mm -hmm. is possible with engaged people. Mm -hmm. Because at the end of the day, people bring profit. That's, that's the whole right. truth. That's the, that's. I really, really enjoyed this. And I know as we're coming to an end, um, I'm a big music fan. I'm a, I don't like, I do not spend a minute without listening to music. If I'm not listening to music, I'm thinking about music. Um, so I wanted to ask you if there's one song, one song that you, you really, really enjoy that, um, I don't know, it's, it's your, either your favorite song or a song that has been stuck into your head for quite some time. Um, to share it with us, to share it with us, and then we're going to challenge the next guest to listen to it and then to judge it, to <laughs> let us know if they like it, and then we're going to continue this chain throughout the podcast. And I'm thinking of also building a, a playlist to share those songs with our community. So what's your okay. one song? <laughs> well, um, you got me at an interesting moment because my, my daughter, who's 14, a Gen okay. Z, right? She <laughs> listens to various songs at various times and she was just playing her, um, you know, music. And I was like, what's that? That's a cool song. Never heard of this band before in my life. So it's the Grimes and the song okay. is Oblivion. Oh, I think I know. Okay. Do you know okay. the song? I think so. It seems very familiar. I'm going to look it's, it up. Right it's now. kind of like ethereal with a beat and like a beautiful voice like tacked in. And so I love it. It's great. Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm going to share it with the audience and then we'll see, we'll see if you have people who love it as well. And I'm genuinely, genuinely very, very happy and grateful that you took the time to come and talk to me for like 45 minutes, which is a lot. This is the most I've talked to. So I'm very, very happy um, and very grateful. If there's one last um, word of wisdom or anything of that sort you would like to share with the audience. Um, all right. Well, just... Um you know, don't take it so seriously, you know, bring your full true self to every conversation and just let it flow. Love. I absolutely love this. Thank you so much, Joy. Thank you. It's been amazing. I genuinely enjoy this and I hope our audience also enjoys it. This I, at some part of the conversation, I forgot that we were recording simply <laughs> because I was so engaged. So I 
truly, truly enjoyed this. Thank you so much. I love that. You're absolutely welcome. It was a pleasure to be here, Nova. And um, I cannot wait to see all the amazing things that you do in life. You've got such a strong foundation and I just think you're ready to go. And whoever picks you up and you know, if you do choose to go into corporate America, uh, you will make them so happy. Thank you. Thank you. That's so sweet. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you so much, Joy. <laughs>